and load. This is Steve Dace. The Steve Dace Show. And greetings. Happy Wednesday. Welcome to the Steve Dace Show, live and on demand here on Blaze TV, radio and podcast. I am Steve Dace, Aaron McIntyre, Todd Erzin. They're here with me, too. If you'd like to join us today, 888-900-3393 is the number. That's 888-900-3393. Feel free to let us know what you think about what we think as well via the SteveDace.com inbox. Steve at SteveDace.com. That's how you can email us, D-E-A-C-E. Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter, at Steve Day Show. If you want to share this show, any of its clips with any of your friends, Go to youtube.com slash Steve Dace. We put stuff up there for you every single day as well, uh, just to give you a taste of what we do here on Blaze TV. YouTube.com slash Steve Dace. Regular Wednesday order of business, our weekly profit of woe and lamentation. Daniel Horowitz will be joining us here uh, towards the end of the program. In between, a, a lot of buy, sell, or hold coming your way at the bottom of this hour. But before all of that begins, here's Aaron's rundown of what happened while we were away. What happened while we were away brought to you by the State of the Union. President Trump delivered his annual address to the House chambers last night. The speech started frosty as President Trump refused to shake Speaker of the House Nancy Pelosi's hand. A few of the more meaningful moments of the night came when President Trump awarded a scholarship to a fourth grade girl from Philadelphia. Janiyah's mom, Stephanie, is a single parent. She would do anything to give her daughter a better future. But last year, that future was put further out of reach when Pennsylvania's governor vetoed legislation to expand school choice to 50,000 children. President Trump also bestowed the Presidential Medal of Freedom to the grandfather of conservative talk radio, Rush Limbaugh, who recently announced he was diagnosed with advanced lung cancer. Tonight that you will be receiving our country's highest civilian honor, the Presidential Medal of Freedom. President Trump also honored one of the last surviving members of the Tuskegee Airmen, General Charles McGee. A few weeks ago, I signed a bill promoting Charles McGee to Brigadier General. And earlier today, I pinned the stars on his shoulders in the Oval Office. General McGee our nation salutes you. Thank you, sir. And this moment was truly special. War places a heavy burden on our nation's extraordinary military families, especially spouses like Amy Williams from Fort Bragg, North Carolina, and her two children, six-year-old Eliana and three-year-old Rowan. Amy works full-time and volunteers countless hours helping other military families. For the past seven months, she has done it all while her husband, Sergeant First Class Townsend Williams, is in Afghanistan on his fourth deployment in the Middle East. Amy's kids haven't seen their father's face in many months. Amy, your family's sacrifice makes it possible for all of our families to live in safety and in peace, and we want to thank you. Thank but you. Amy, there is one more thing. Tonight, we have a very special surprise. I am thrilled to inform you that your husband is back from deployment. He is here with us tonight, and we couldn't keep him waiting any longer.
President Trump also took a victory lap on the economy. The unemployment rate is the lowest in over half a century. And very incredibly, the average unemployment rate under my administration is lower than any administration in the history of our country. And he also slammed socialism. To those watching at home tonight, I want you to know we will never let socialism destroy American health care. At the end of the speech, Nancy Pelosi apparently exacted her revenge for Trump refusing to shake her hand by ripping up his speech. Moving on, results from the disastrous Iowa Democrat caucuses are finally starting to come in. As of this recording, 71% of precincts are reporting, and Pete Buttigieg leads Bernie Sanders 26.8% to 25.2%, although both have the same number of pledged delegates. Elizabeth Warren is in third at 18.4%, Joe Biden in fourth at 15.4%, and Amy Klobuchar rounds out the top five at 12.6%. An MSNBC contributor decided to explain why the turnout was so low in Iowa. The the Iowa caucus is essentially the perfect example of systemic racism. 91% of the voters in Iowa are white. The reason why you see a drop in turnout, I'm just speculating here, it could be perhaps that white children are not in the cages. And finally, of all the places you expect Elizabeth Warren to do poorly in Iowa, Cherokee County is not one of them. Meanwhile, in Pocahontas County, Warren doesn't even crack the top four. Ha 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 ha. And that's what happened while we were away. Well done. Well done there at the end. I liked it. All right, guys. Valentine's Day is just around the corner, and I know she's telling you, I don't want anything. Come on, man. Don't fall for that again this year, okay? Unless you bought a new couch and you just find it comfortable, right? Uh, Even if she doesn't want anything or says she doesn't need anything, she certainly deserves it anyway. Not to worry. Our friend over at Books have you covered. That's B-O-U-Q-S. As in bouquet of flowers. I've, I've had these at my house. They are absolutely gorgeous. Farm, fresh, sustainably sourced flowers for next or same day delivery. And right now, if you order today, 25% off your entire port, uh, purchase. I almost said portrait. 25% off your entire purchase if you go to books.com slash Steve. That's B as in boy, O-U-Q-S dot com slash Steve. No excuses, guys. No excuses. Get her done right now, all right? Get 25% off, B-O-U-Q-S dot com slash Steve, and you're going to find even more than than roses there, Uh, some sweet treats, other kinds of bouquets, plants, gifts, everything you're looking for to get Valentine's Day done and done right, all right? B-O-U-Q-S dot com slash Steve. Get 25% off of your order. We're going to talk about the, uh, I guess we'll call them the, the results of the Iowa caucuses. I almost feel like I should apologize to our audience. We did so much analysis of this all year long. Yeah. And now suddenly it's just like it, it never happened because it, it, it kind of didn't. All right. But uh, we're going we're gonna to break down the results we've seen so far. And then uh, what they may or may not mean. That's coming up in the, coming up in the overtime today. All right. So if you are a Blaze TV subscriber, just be patient. Uh, we are going to tape that for you when today's live show is done. And then it'll be uploaded as soon as possible at blazetv.com slash days. If you're not yet a Blaze TV subscriber, though, and you want to watch that today, 
Uh, you can also go to blazetv.com slash dace right now, sign up and get a discounted subscription to this and everything else we do exclusively for you each day right here at Blaze TV. But I want to spend uh, the, the rest of our first opening uh, segment here on what happened last night at the State of the Union. Um, I, want to, I want to start, though, with something I, I just didn't have time to get to a couple of days ago when the news broke. <clears throat> Pardon me, and I, I want to get to it right now. Okay. Um, the news of uh, Rush Limbaugh having advanced uh, advanced stages of, of lung cancer. I think that's that how he's describing it. That's I believe what he's so, advanced yeah. lung cancer. Advanced yeah. lung cancer. Okay. Uh, and, and that um, he's going to begin treatment here like right away. I think he also said, correct? So I've never met Rush. I don't know him at all. Uh, I do know his brother, David. Um, David was kind enough to write the foreword to. Uh, my book, Rules for Patriots. Uh, he endorsed, uh, wrote a, a glowing endorsement of my book, A Nefarious Plot. We worked together on the Cruz campaign and uh, a great guy. And he's over the years, he's been on this show numerous times. Um, you can have your disagreements with people, but when you see announcements like this, they 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 just they kind of pale in comparison to the gravity of the moment. And all of us, you know, when I saw the announcement from Bo Snerdley, I tweeted this right away. And we've just been so overwhelmed with the caucus and what's going on in our backyard the last couple of days. I've I've just not had a, a moment to give it its um it, its its just due on the show. So before we get into any other analysis of last night, I want to do this now. If if you have enjoyed what we do in conservative media, any of us, no matter which of us is your cup of, cup of tea, all right. If you if you like our snarky view uh, or anybody else's uh, spin on things, if if you've been a consumer of conservative media, if if you've had a job in this industry or currently have one, you all myself included, owe a debt of gratitude to Rush Limbaugh because he blazed the trail. He's the founding father of, of this entire um, uh, industry. Uh, he, is the, the, he is the most pivotal figure. It's why we, you know, we did a study of the way things ought to be last year on the show. He is the most pivotal figure in the post-Reagan era of the conservative movement. Um, I don't even think any of that is debatable. And there are very few people that in life that can say they're that kind of a trailblazer. And this, he reinvented AM radio. It was a dead frequency before he came along. That, uh, I mean, uh, trade bartering shows, Bruce Williams, and Larry King, that's all AM radio was. And, and, and you listen to your favorite ball team. He, I mean, he changed the face of media. And all of us that I've been both a consumer and a worker bee in this uh, movement slash industry now, going back to high school when I first discovered him. Um, I mean, I, 10 years of my life, I listened every single day if I could depending on what my work hours were. 
when my wife and I first started dating, uh, you know, when things started getting serious after we met on the old AOL dial-up, I was on Glenn's show talking about the caucuses after the afterwards on Tuesday. And he was making a joke about how they were, what the uh, uh, Iowa caucus app was. And he used some old of that old AOL dial-up uh, sound effects. I'm like, I, man, I said to Glenn, last time I've heard that was 25 years ago when I was trying to hook up with my now wife on an AOL chat room. <laughs> All right, back when we finally decided to get serious about a relationship, my wife went out and bought his two books, um, The Way Things Ought to Be and See, I Told You So, uh, in order to you know uh, learn uh, a little bit more about, uh, about me. And what, what made me tick. So um, I, I think when you have existential situations in any movement or family, um, any human relationship, I, I think matters of existential consequence require a reprioritization of how you see how you see things and whatever differences i've had at times it was weird for me as a new broadcaster i just switched over from sports just like rush rush came from sports switched over to news talk radio same thing for me i got my start in sports and made my switch over what you know who i worked for before i worked for clear channel the a, a professional baseball team that's who i worked for the triple a iowa cubs that's what I worked for. What did Rush do before he started doing News Talk Radio? He worked for a professional baseball team, the Kansas City Royals. All right. Um, how I got started in national media is a group of businessmen came to me after we threw these judges out in Iowa and made history. It never happened before. And a group of businessmen came to me, successful businessmen here in our state of Iowa, came to me and said, hey, you know, we we saw the influence you had. We could have no way we would have done this without the help of your radio show. We could have pulled this off. And we're wondering if, you know, if we put, if we invest in you, could you have this kind of an impact beyond Iowa with what you can do with a, with a program? You want to know how Rush Limbaugh went national? A group of businessmen went out to Sacramento, California one day and said, Hey, we think you've got a potential to really blow this thing up. And so we're going to put the investment capital in you to get you on W, I think it was WABC in New York. I mean, so, you know, um, though I'm just one of legions of examples in our industry of how n any of the success or notoriety we have would not have been possible without Rush. And it was weird for me, my first presidential election in News Talk Radio, he was on the same station I was on in Iowa, the legendary WHO, and where Ronald Reagan was our first sports director. And it was weird. He would come on for three hours a day before me. I'd be in the studio getting my show together. He'd be on the speakers just trashing Mike Huckabee and saying how great Mitt Romney was. And then I would go right back on the air to the exact same audience, the snot-nosed kid, and just completely flip the paradigm and how great Mike Huckabee was and, and trash Mitt Romney. <laughs> um, that was surreal for me. You probably remember some of those sure. days. That was odd. Okay, for me, because I mean, I idolized Rush, um, and uh, but none of that, none of that is important now. What, what's important is that um, a guy who made everything we all get to do, and and this is true not just for me. Think of huge names that work here at Blaze TV: Mark Levin, Glenn Beck. No way. They and they'll tell you this. I, they'll tell you this. 
I promise you, if you ask them, they would tell you this. No way they have even they have their level of success without what Russia's done. So whether you're 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 about at the same summit a Russia is like a Glenn and a Mark is, whether you're kind of uh, in the upper middle class of this summit, which is probably a good, you know, a good description of where we're likely at, or whether you're just beginning to climb up the mountain in this industry, or just getting started, wherever you are at on that, on that climb, without rush scaling those heights, you have no climb to make. And I, I wanted to take a few minutes here and uh, wish him well and thank him for that contribution. Um, I've fed my family fairly decently for the last uh, decade plus uh, courtesy of the trail that he blazed. And um, I just wanted to take a couple of minutes to wish him well and acknowledge that. You're here. Let's get to the speech last night. And I thought, I thought, well, let me say this. All of his joint session speeches, speaking of Donald Trump, they've all been good. The rhetoric has, 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 They've all been soaring. But I thought watching it last night, and I, I'm even more convinced of this because I had one eye on this and then one eye on watching Michigan blow a game against Ohio State and another sport. So I was not in a mood to be trifled with. <laughs> okay. that's, an, I, that's important context for me to add to what I'm about to say. Because I was like, you know, it wasn't like, you know, the kids spent the night at, my, at, at the grandparents and Amy and I had a night alone and I'm in a really good mood the next morning. So anything Trump said, I would have thought that just sounds great. Nope. Okay. Um, I, I had to, uh, no, I was not happy, especially because I, I was, it was also my turn to write a column uh, for the SI site about the game. So now I've got to relive it twice. Oh, Yes. I, I was not in a mood to be bamboozled, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Right? I had an iced tea. I was firing up the iced tea. Mama's got to die tonight. I'm so freaking sick of losing to Ohio State. I can't handle it. I want to, can we beat him at checkers? Something, please, please, please. Can I have my manhood back? So what I'm, you need to know where my frame of mind was as I'm, because the speech was getting going right as we were blowing the game at the end. So I've got an eye on both of these things at the same time. And so my, my mood is. So if anything, I'm, I'm looking to lash out at somebody. <laughs> All right. And I, I found it inspiring. Um, I, I know there's a lot of big government stuff in there. It, it, but you know what it was? It was Reagan-esque, I thought, because Reagan was a big government president, too. Now, we like to spin it, you know, in absentia that a lot of that was because he had a Democratic Congress, and that, that probably was a lot of it at the time. But the record is still what it is. He, he signed a—I mean, we had a lot of awfully bloated budgets. We had record deficits. But it was Reagan-esque in the course that it charted and the contrast of a larger vision of the country with what the left offers. And I think in some respects, it's more powerful for me to hear it now as a father and a husband than when I used to watch these as a kid because of where the, the left is now compared to where it was when we were kids, Todd. I mean, we are, we're, we're watching people, we're watching black and brown people that, are, that serve in the U.S. Congress won't stand up and applaud mm -hmm. that their, their own neighbors are working 
and, and, and able to live more profitably than they ever were before. The level of seething, vitriol, of course, encapsulated by Nancy Pelosi's ripping of the speech after it was over. I thought Donald Trump stood tall in that room. And I, and I felt some form of personal validation because I thought that the moment last night did a better job of explaining to you in our audience than I have been able to articulate the last couple of years about why the rage tweeting doesn't work. It may, general, it may, it may generate, you know, own the libs clicks for us in this line of work, okay? But it turns large parts of the country off and it plays into what the left what the left's strategy has been from the beginning of this presidency. The left's strategy has been to paint Trump as a loathsome, tiresome figure and that, that you so want to be rid of that you'll just sign up for their, their horrific policy ideas just to have him off the screen. And the, the rage tweeting plays into that, plays into their game plan. And he's given good speeches before in these joint session speeches. But I, I always kind of felt like they were like a really good karaoke singer. Like some of the notes, dude, you can't tell if it's like when he's when he's singing, you know, Hotel California, some of the notes, he's just like, you're like, you close your eyes at the karaoke bar and you're like, hey, Don Henley's here. And then there's other notes. You're like, that's not a bad Don Henley impersonation. You know what I'm saying? Sure. Okay. Yeah. I thought he owned that music last night. Like the empathy and and ownership of those lyrics like i didn't think he was giving a speech i thought he was talking to the, speaking to the american people and 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 the way that he elevated his stature what did i say what did i say last year that during 2018 the republicans are going to lose the house if the president doesn't raise his stature with the american people right i, I kept saying that right yeah i thought he absolutely hit a walk-off grand slam in, in game seven of a postseason series with that last night. And it made, and I think the amount of honesty you're seeing today from the left media, whether it's Van Jones to Chris Matthews to John Dickinson at CBS, there's a lot of these clips out today. The amount of, on, when have I been this honest with you guys? This brutally honest? When I'm afraid we're going to lose to the other team. That's when you've seen me get, I'm like, Folks, if we don't, st I could lie to you. Yeah, we're winning. There's no Americans at the Baghdad airport. This is how we're going to lose to these guys, right? That's, that's when you've seen me be that breathtakingly honest about the people wearing our jersey. You have seen that since last night from the left media. James Carville, another example. There, these are people that are, that are serious about this. They're not just clickbaity hacks. But there's, I mean, Chris Matthews, I know we laugh about the caricature of him now. Dude was writing speeches for Jimmy Carter when you and I were eating paste, all right? He's serious about this. They're sounding the alarm right now because they see it. Because here's what you also saw last night. That was a socially conservative, patriotic, big government speech. Who's socially conservative, patriotic, and big government, Todd? Who is that? That would be a large swaths of black America. Yep. I, I would say most of America. Yeah, yes, yes. But in particular, sure. who typically votes for the other team that, that you could say that about? And in terms of the demographic that right now stands to have the biggest chance of being a genuine political game changer, at yes. least in this political cycle and hopefully beyond. Yes. 
what, what, what you saw last night was a president who, real, who understands that his base is as united as it's been around a Republican president ever. And, and all the phony scams and hoaxes have a lot to do with that. And he's, he's, he's impervious now. They can't touch him now. All hmm. the fake investigations. He's got the wind in his back. And so now he's decided, you know what? Now, last night you saw, you saw a guy that, that bought a lot of Manhattan. Because that's a guy that said, you know, I, 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 I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to play for your properties now. I'm going to make a play for, for, for where you live now. I'm going to buy your building now. Because I thought that was a blatant, it would, a blatant attempt. And by the way, if he would have come to me and said, Steve, if I, wanted to, if I wanted to make a play for black and brown America, what would you have me say? The exact things that he said last night. And I think that's why you saw Van Jones and some of these people are like, sound out the Carl Lewis... Uh-oh, because they, they're seeing him dip, dip, more than dip a toe in their sandbox now. And I thought that was hugely impactful politically. Now we have a short attention span. Its impact will be felt if there is follow-through from this time Correct. forward. If, there is, if this is a moment in time. Now, I'm not saying there's never a time to, to, in, to rage after the people raging after you, but never in a way that lowers your stature to them. Like the president pulling Jim Acosta's pants down right to his face in a White House press briefing, that's when you do it. Especially because 80% of Twitter accounts in the U.S. are, or 80% of Twitter accounts are outside the U.S. anyway. You do it on your terms. You, you, you do it with the power of the U.S. presidency. Because it feels like when you do it on Twitter, you're lowering your, the stature of your office. But when you do it with the letterhead behind you when, you, when you do it with the seal in front of you, then it feels like your CO just dressed you down right there in front of the rest of the regiment, right? feels like the head coach just gave you what for in the locker room in front of the rest of your teammates, right? Yeah. And I think that's what um, one of that, the reason that moment was so effective last night. Now, we're going to run out of time, so I want to stop and give you guys a chance to chime in. Go ahead. So I wasn't able to watch the whole thing uh, live, but I was able to watch most of it uh, this morning. And I will say one of the things that actually rings true about your analysis, one of the things that made your analysis ring true, I should say, is that other than her being right behind President Trump, largely because of the way he handled himself, you would have never your, – your mind was not even on the Democrats, the do-nothing Democrats. So Nancy, it was all on patriotism. Look at the economy uh, and look what uh, – you know, look at what we're doing here. And that's masterful because when you look at President Trump's Twitter account sometimes, it's all – the only thing you think about is Nancy Pelosi, the do-nothing Democrats, mm-hmm. lion ch- – you know, what have you. So it was just a- another example of him rising above and rising uh, to the occasion. Yes, Jim Acosta cannot win an argument with President Trump. Even if he's right, he can't. Why? Because his name's Jim Acosta, and the other guy's named what? President Trump. Jim Acosta can win all kinds of arguments with Donald Trump just by getting to have it. President Trump cannot lose an argument to somebody of lower stature than him. He cannot. Because he's got the letterhead, the power of the title. And Toddy wielded it, I thought, last night. Oh, in in multiple ways. I mean, I have I have zero problem him not shaking nancy pelosi's hand that's saying on a line like this is in the face of this impeachment and what's going on in the iowa caucus donald trump to to know the moment there is an opportunity for a knockout blow here but i'm going to get out 
all of my trolling malice in, in not shaking her hand. And then I'm going to pivot and I'm going to give this to the Americans. I'm not going to obsess about impeachment. I'm not going to make fun of them for the Iowa caucuses. Maybe later. I'm sure we can see that coming down the road more. But then this is like you said, there, it wasn't theory driven. It was about the people first laying out the economics of it. I thought it was fascinating. Uh, and I thought that's a great speech right out of the gate. You, 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 you know, if the economy is broken, you don't have a shot. You're showing here's here's my case you're in a solid economy right now and people believe that statistically by the way like 60 percent of america believes they're better off than they were four years ago but then then wow i mean every single uh state of the union now republican or democrat is going to be measured against this what are we going to do it it is absolutely raised the bar of how you talk about real people how their lives are changed oftentimes the people that have been invited in the past they've been very nice stories but they've never been used to affect like they were in this speech and to watch as steve already said them sitting on their hands in their white suits not applauding little black children for god's sakes what is wrong with you people the only viable explanation is you hate America or you hate him enough to be seen as hating America. Either is a bad look. We'll come back and play buy, sell, or hold next. Bicellar Hold brought to you by Keeps. Who knows that losing your hair sucks, but you know what doesn't suck? Keeping your hair without ever having to leave your couch. If you're losing your hair, you got to get to know Keeps because they offer the generic versions of the only two FDA-approved hair loss products. That's the real deal, and the generic versions also save you a fortune as well. So here's all you need to do. Just go online and answer a few questions, snap a few pics of your hair, and a doctor will review everything, and then recommend the right FDA, FDA approved, so this isn't a gimmick, FDA approved hair loss treatment for you, and then it's shipped discreetly to your door. So you're probably wondering, will it work? Well, not only does it work, but about two-thirds of the men who use this actually experience hair regrowth not just keeping what they already have but regrowth on top of it as well so if you want to do something about losing your hair here's what you need to do here's the deal we got for you today keeps.com slash grow is the website keeps.com slash grow to get your first order of keeps hair loss treatment for 50 percent off that's half off your first order half off your first order to give it a shot right now Keeps.com slash grow. That's keeps.com slash grow. I should also mention this, by the way. I'm wearing some of the uh, new merch we have over at the Blaze shop. Uh, This uh, pretty sweet live free or die hoodie. If you like this, shop.blazemedia.com is where you can get your own version of this. Shop dot blazemedia.com. You're wearing some some Blaze Media merch as well. But but this is the one that I had my, is the live free or die yeah. When, they, when they told me pick anything you want, this was the first thing that I picked. This is, is this th- one. This is also some some uh, clever Blaze Media merch as well. I, I like this shirt. We did not coordinate though, which no, we just all good independently decided today. Yeah. Um, my son Noah, uh, I think it makes him feel uh, like a big man on campus at Des Moines Christian because a lot of the the parents of of his classmates uh, have listened to me since we were you know local and listen now. And so he likes, I thought he was like, no way I want to wear that. I'm going to look awkward. So he's like, dude, I love wearing 
my dad's merch to school. So I, I got him uh, one of those uh, Steve Day Show, a blue Steve Day Show shirt. Nice. Came in yesterday and he actually was, he put it on and wore it to school today. So <laughs> yeah, we've got some cool stuff there as well. All right. For the Steve Day Show. So shop.blazemedia.com. All right, let's get to it. Let's get to buy, sell, or hold. This is where Aaron, with a little help from uh, his friends, you in the audience will throw out uh, for the next couple of segments, a series of predictions, propositions, questions that come from you. And then Todd, you and I are going to decide, are we going to buy that? Are we going to sell it? Once per show, we are permitted to put a hold on something, but if it's for any reason other than, wow, that's just lame, then because you are lame, you will be beaten, like badly, maybe to a pulp, and then we'll knock the pulp off because the dude code says you have it coming. We've all agreed on that, correct? Yeah. The only argument is who gets the first shot at the person who punks out. That's that. So there might be a fight for that first. So there might be a pre-fight. And then you get beaten down for punking out. Simple justice. Absolutely. It needs to happen. I think there are a couple in there that's going to challenge. Uh, We'll start with Constantinos Rodidas, who says, Sanders supporters will cry corruption and rigging the system against Bernie in Iowa. And if Bernie doesn't win the nomination, they'll vote for Trump by even a higher margin than they did in 2016. So normally I say not to have compound propositions, right? Because a lot of times they start off really good and then they fizzle out or they start off not so good and then finish strong. Like, don't try to connect too many dots at once in what you want us to respond to. This case, though, I think I could buy this whole thing. Now, I don't know how many. I I do think there were some frustrated Bernie people that voted for Trump out of frustration with the system. Okay, so I don't know how many more will so if, if, if you're telling me, uh, you know, 10,000 people did and this time 10,500 people might, okay. Like, I don't think it's an exceedingly high number, but I think the premise of this is right on the money. Now, we're going to get into more of this in the uh, in this particular issue in the overtime today, but I actually think this whole thing, just to give you a quick little spoiler, I think the way these events have come out has this is the perfect scenario for Bernie Sanders. He, he doesn't have to um, bear the immediate brunt of front runner as a winner. He gets, he, if, if he had gotten two or three points more and been the quote-unquote winner, and we actually don't know who won. We've only got 70% of the results. They haven't certified it. At the, with 60% of the results, I think Pete Buttigieg had like a 2.8-point lead. Now it's like 1.6. Okay, now I doubt, just based on my knowledge of Iowa and experience with elections, I doubt Bernie can close 1.6% in 29% of precincts, but I wouldn't say that it's, it, it couldn't, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a uh, no way either, okay? But he doesn't have all of the immediate attention of, oh no, a Soviet's the front runner, the Democratic Party's got to do something. His, his opposition, his, Buttigieg has got no buzz. No, none. In fact, I haven't, I haven't heard Pete Buttigieg's name since he gave his speech in Iowa until about an hour ago when Joe Biden started attacking him in New Hampshire for being disloyal to Obama. So he, there's been all any buzz Buttigieg would have had, or Buttigieg, I'm sorry, would have had from this. It's like they're already in New Hampshire. It's like the Iowa caucus has never happened. And on top of that, Bernie gets to cry foul, conspiracy. It fulfills all of his tropes about how I'm the outsider and the system is against me. If you ask me, I, I 
you know, if I were working on the Bernie Sanders campaign, well, first I'd be soulless. But if I were soulless enough, I'd, I'd, I'd be very pleased with how events are, are proceeding at the moment. But what do you, how do you respond to this, Todd? I am going to sell only because it seems a little too clean for us to just get to the end and then to shrug their shoulders and only think I'm going to vote for Trump. They're more in the like, I am going to burn something down stage. So I I get where you're going, Constantinus, but that's that's not going to be their the recourse of choice for fighting back. All right. Steve says to cement Rob Manfred's status as a terrible commissioner. Major League Baseball commissioner. Correct. Okay. Uh, there will be a work stoppage when the current collective bargaining agreement expires. I'm going to buy this only because Kurt Schilling's been telling me for almost uh, for for almost two years that he thinks there's going to be a work stoppage. Um, it had little to do with Rob Manfred, though. Uh, his... He, it, for him, it's that there's no middle class really left in baseball now. That that everybody's making an obscene amount of money or peanuts. Peanuts from from a from the perspective of, of of being a professional athlete. Not not peanuts for the vast majority of us, but peanuts by their economy of scale. Um, and you're seeing teams now, and you see that bear itself out in the standings of Major League Baseball. There are, there are very few 85. 90 win teams. The last couple of years, we've had a, a total of, I think, seven or eight teams win 100 games. And you've had seven or eight teams lose 100 games. My Tigers are one of them. And so what you're kind of seeing teams do, because that's why they have the wild card in baseball, they, did, they, they put that in so this wouldn't happen. Then they added another one so there'd be even another layer of parity. But what you're kind of seeing teams do is go all in, man. Spend every dime they have when they think that they've got a window. And then if they don't think they have a window... You don't see teams playing to win a division or playing to get in the playoffs. You're seeing them tank and just strip their strip mine their roster, start all over again, uh, and uh, and try to build themselves back up uh, with their farm system. That's what my Tigers are doing now after a decade of being a perennial playoff contender. So since Schilling believes, and he's a former player rep, that's why there will be a work stoppage. I'll buy that there will be a work stoppage. I, I will presume he knows more about this than me. Uh... I would too. I'm just going to pretend for the sake of argument I didn't hear any of that and that you know Kurt Schilling. Just say no because that's insane in this with this level of bad press you have now and it's not the number one sport uh, in the country anymore and you want to do this. If you want to keep giving people reasons to not vote for you. Plus, do you know how bad you are at your job if you just gave Pete Rose the high ground, which you just did? Pete Rose just came out today making the argument, why why am I not in the Hall of Fame if you just let this entire roster of cheats go on with no repercussions? Mm -hmm. He's he's right. And you're bad at this, guys. We have just a problem. From tanking to this, there's just no, no honor. There's no dignity. The reason tanking is a problem these days as much as any other reason is that there just weren't a bunch of men who played ball and fulfilled their dream who would ever think of tanking back then. They did other bad things, and I'm sure one team here and there would tank a season. But for the most part, no, man, that's not that's beneath me. I'm I'm out here to play ball, and I'm going to, you know, we may be the worst team in the league, but I'm going to go out dying and trying. That That's not the ethos with more and more people these days in all walks of life. But this is a baseball. What a, it would be a terrible move to have a work stoppage. You're barely I mean, you've holding got, on. You've got a, what the Dodgers is it five six years in a row they've been in the postseason or something like that, right? 
Uh, oh and, yeah, at least yeah, yeah. And, at the, least. and they and they've been unable to win a World Series. They haven't won it since uh, Oral Hershiser back in eight and Kurt Gibson back in '88. What's the trade they just pulled off yesterday? Mookie Betts and Price for I'm not entirely yeah. sure. Was, I don't... was Betts the MVP two years ago or the yeah. runner-up or something? Okay, and David Price is a yeah. perennial Cy Young candidate. You know, I mean, that's an example of of what Kurt is talking about. Oh, yeah, is, I get is it. You're taking a team that's already stacked that's that's in the playoffs every year, and now they're adding like an obscene level of of talent. And so what's happening is you have. You have other other franchises that are looking at that and saying, what, realistically, if we got into a five or seven game series with them, what are the chances are that we could win that thing? Right. And unless we could do what the Washington Nationals just did, which is three all-star caliber pitchers and just line them up in a row. But the reason the Washington Nationals are such a unique case is they were the only team that could actually do that. So unless you, unless you have some unique outlier that gives you an, an, a, a matchup advantage in a shortened series, the odds that you can take it down a team with that level of talent aren't high. Yeah. And so you don't have to tell a bunch of capitalistic owners. You don't have to do too much convincing. To, to run an operation on the cheap and make a bunch of money without paying off a, a bunch of salaries. And when they see how difficult it is to top that 1% in baseball, that's why you're going to see those franchises take. But the problem is that people are just kind of used to that now. Now the NFL doesn't do that, but what you're describing is also the NBA. Yep. It's also college football to yep. some the Blue Bloods that continue to go to the... So people are just kind of seeing that as an inevitable on some level. I mean, my, my, the same family, now the, now the, Mike Illich is dead, but his family still runs my Tigers. I mean, the Tigers were free agent players, trade deadline players every year for almost 10 years, right? The same family that ran the team when they were doing that, it literally told fans at the start of last year, we are not going to try to win until at least 2021. Just told them that up, up front. And so if you want to come to the game and treat it like a triple A game and enjoy way too expensive beer and enjoy some time out at the park, we will take your money, appreciate it, but have no expectation that we're actively trying to compete here. They just said it out front. I can't imagine a franchise doing that when we were growing up. Oh, that's my point. No, we would have rioted. No, I mean, spring training would have been about optimism and everything else. This is our year. And now people just tell you up front, we're not, we're not even trying. So if you want to enjoy a good time at the ballpark, cool, but you know, lower your expectations around here. Chris Chamberlain says the final results of the New Hampshire primary will be announced before the final results of the Iowa caucus. <laughs> ah, I like where your head's at. Oh, so do I. But so. Uh, I, you know what, man? I'm going to buy because I just because I like I like the way you handle your rig, Chris. All right. That, that's some trucker Glock. I'm buying. OK, it's gangster lean. It's probably not. It's, it's definitely not true. OK. But it's such it's such a gangster lane. I, I'm going to give you mad. I got to give you your respect. So I'll buy. I know you've been out of local politics for a while. And as have I. What, did you know who the Iowa Democrat Party chair at Troy Price was is? No. Did you, did you see his speech? No, I read I read excerpts of it, but I didn't see it. Didn't didn't engender a lot of confidence, did it? Oh, my goodness. How are they that bad at this? How are they the press to their credit? I you he puts me in the position. I got to defend the press. They're like, when are you gonna get? Tell us when you're gonna get all of them. Just give us a time, a date. And he the just, Democrats are so bad. It's like what I said the other yeah. day. They I, they made me watch 20 minutes of Hannity. And yeah, I, I I actually kind of enjoyed it. The the, Demo, the the Democrats were so bad. Todd now believe actually is on the media side. <laughs> 
journalism was was uh, unmagical and fairly stable for journalism has returned journalism strikes back yes uh let's see todd saffle this one is good voting for mcmullen in 2016 is more embarrassing than voting for romney in 2012 that's another gangster lane man that's an easy buy absolutely absolutely it's an easy buy mullen is more embarrassing yeah it's not even close it's and i i gotta tell you when when um when we were never trump during that election we didn't we had him on one night you guys remember this yeah, we had we, him on yeah and he had, his people had kept reaching out to me and i i'd looked at some of his associations and i'm kind of like i don't i don't think you might be never trump for the same reasons i am but some of my buddies got involved with him, and I'm like, all right, you know, well, I'll listen. You guys remember we had him on that night on our old Salem show, and man, there's a, there's a reason we had him on that one time. That one time. It was, uh, it was kind of pukey, right? Yeah, kinda, it was. Kind of, yeah, yeah, uh, kind of Romney is kind of what it was, you know? Um, but at least Romney had a chance at being elected president. Um, and so you could say, hey, I think this guy has a legit chance to be president and probably should have won, to be brutally honest. This guy has a legit chance to be president. And maybe he maybe of the three Supreme Court justices, he he he, you know, appoints one of them's really good okay you know maybe we get a maybe the you know he appoints a bunch of romney-esque cabinet appointments but the attorney general's really good you know what i'm saying at least yeah at least there was a legit chance of an roi there was never any roi and so all you were going to vote for evan mcmullen for was to make a protest vote which i'm not opposed to doing nothing wrong with that nothing wrong with being yeah, I belong to a faith and a worldview that has a long, distinguished history of the of the term conscientious objector. Nothing wrong with that, but the um, in hindsight, believing that he was going to be the vehicle for your um, for your stance for um, independent uh, character and credibility. No, and, and what he has shown since about five minutes after the election is he's a he's the big he's one of the biggest grifters of them all, and um, so that's a great one, Todd. Absolutely more embarrassing to vote for Evan McMullen. And I've seen all how many people have you seen come out? I saw Eric Erickson do this before several that voted for him that have come out and said worst vote I've made in my life was for yeah. Evan McMullen. Yeah, I mean, my my vote for Romney was an utter, complete, total protest vote. There was nothing aspirational about it. I came to loathe him more than uh, Steve hates John McCain. I mean, I he drives me nuts. The chicken sandwich, all that nonsense. But listen, with Obama, that the lying about uh, what he believed about traditional marriage, the lying to get Obamacare passed, you can keep your doctor, and that uh, the guy who actually developed it, I can't remember that guy's name anymore, but he came out and admitted it, it was all a lie. The lies about Benghazi, I just, I couldn't stomach it. I needed to vote against mm-hmm. Barack Obama, mm-hmm. and there was, the, there was the guy named Mitt Romney. So, yeah, I, I absolutely think McMullen's more embarrassing. All right, we'll get this one in real quick before we have to go this hour. John Endicott says, primaries are better than caucuses. 
He says, because we vote, go home, get 90% returns a couple of hours later, then wait while spigot cities determine if they can manufacture enough votes to steal the election. Voter fraud like it was intended. Oh, that's good. John? Bye. As the kids say today, I see what you did there. You guys... There's three in a row. Dude, dude, someone has come to the table with much game. I mean... I think they've been listening to you over the course of the weeks and months. Folks have brought it. I mean, this is uh, this is an impressive level of retconning, reverse engineering, and snarky uh, inside-out uh, or outside-in analysis. I so, dude, well done. I gotta buy that one too. Yeah, I That's was well played. I was abundantly clear about how caucuses are better than primaries, but you chose. If you had just dipped your toe in the pool, I would have had to knife you. But you went all in, so I'll buy. All right, we'll come back. More buy, sell, or hold here on the Steve Day Show, live and on demand on Blaze TV, radio, and podcast. And then at the bottom of hour two, our weekly prophet of woe and lamentation, our good friend Daniel Horowitz will take us inside politics. Stay tuned. Back at it with Hour 2, live and on demand here on Blaze TV, radio and podcast. Steve Dace here alongside Todd Erzin and Aaron McIntyre. 888-933-93, steve at stevedace.com, D-E-A-C-E. Find us on Facebook as well. Follow us on Twitter, at Steve Dace Show. And don't forget, now youtube.com slash Steve Dace as well. Tons of content loading up there all the time as well. Uh, YouTube.com slash Steve Dace. Speaking of things that should that should be put on YouTube, I, I need to get a video out. Just next time I do this, I got to grab my phone because I don't know that you guys believe me. I'm I'm not I'm not embellishing this. I'm not not that I'm above embellishment for commercial gain. Not that I'm above that. So I so you're so you're right to be skeptical where this is concerned. Okay. I hope you're not above embellishment for commercial Indeed. gain. I'm riding your coattails, like I said. <laughs> do what hey, must be done. Total depravity. Includes me too. Otherwise, I wouldn't be total, right? Uh, but I, I I need to get out my camp, my phone, and film the next time I grab the uh, the Rough Greens Vita Smart for Cap because the dog loses his mind. He and 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 just film when it, when it's in his dish. Just have a film of how fast he inhales this. I mean, just in, and he's just this little tiny Bichon. He's so cute. Okay. And he like suddenly turns in. It's like it's like Randy, yeah, eating the mashed potatoes at dinner in a Christmas story. <laughs> nice. Okay, I mean it's just it's insane. I, I am half tempted to try. Can it be that good? I did this once when I was a kid. One of our dogs, Bo, loved these like uh, snossages. Do you remember those? I do. Okay, I mean he loved them, and I'm like, oh, they kind of smell like bacon, and and I'm like. He's a mammal. I'm a mammal. Maybe there's something. You here. went all in. I did. You? I did go all in, and I tried it. I'm like, it's really not that bad. But it, you know, I'd rather just have the real thing. Now that's okay? a story right there. Steve won't eat leftovers. Dace tried a dog treat, but I did try. Dog treat. <laughs> nice. I won't eat leftovers of human food, but I will try your dog's food if it's fresh. Yes. All right. But this dog, the way he loses his mind, I'm, you know me, I'm always out for like supplements and stuff like that. I'm like, maybe I need to try this. So if you want to see your dog lose its mind. 
right. Uh, try Rough Greens VitaSmart. It's a healthy supplement that you put into your dog's food or water. Has all the live nutrients you're looking for for your dog's health. Those probiotics, uh, enzymes, vitamins, healthy microbacteria, and more. Here's how you can get a hold of it. Rough Greens, R-U-F-F is how it's spelled. Roughgreens.com slash blaze. Roughgreens.com slash blaze. Or you can call them up at 833-MY-DOG-33. And if you're like me and on your mobile phone, you can't remember where the letters are with the numbers. Just call this number instead. 833-693-6433. or 6433. Or roughgreens.com slash blaze. Let's get back to buy, sell, or hold, Aaron. Scott Solomon says the Iowa Democratic Caucus app designer will be invited to speak at CPAC before Steve. This is, I mean, you guys. Man, just. I almost feel are, like we should just end Why are this. we here? Because I can't believe it can just keep going, okay? I can't believe, not to mention, I'm, I'm, I'm getting a little worried about my own job. Yeah. Okay? Um, but uh, that's. Chef's kiss, man. I, I don't even know what to do, man. Yes, indeed. I, I just, that could be a Babylon B headline. That's how good that is. I mean, you guys are on a roll. That I have to buy. You know, a buddy of mine, should I? I don't want to get him in trouble. Uh, you know what? But I got to share at least part of this with you. And I'm trying to figure out a way in real time to share it with you guys without outing him and getting him in trouble. All right. So buddy of mine is on the, uh, uh, does some like advanced team work and stuff for, uh, for the White House. Okay. And, and, um, he was my little birdie that he was going around canvassing the democratic sites in Eastern Iowa where the most democratic part of the state over the weekend. So he was, he was the little birdie I had that uh, went to a, cause you know, I'm Cedar Rapids is too far away from me. Yes. <laughs> Number one, like I wouldn't go to a Ted Cruz event and I was on the payroll and I'd have been like, guys, Cedar Rapids is too far away. Let's do something West Des Moines. It's two hours. <laughs> All right. So if I wasn't going to go to Cedar Rapids for Ted Cruz. I sure as hell. I'm not going to Cedar Rapids for Elizabeth Warren. Hey, you want right? to go coach the Cleveland Indians? <laughs> I don't know. I got a guy on the other line Some about a set walls. of white walls. Yes, indeed. All right. So, so thankfully, he was willing to do it uh, and, and, and relayed some information to me. And he had mentioned to me, he, he listens to our show constantly. And he had um, um, uh, some folks with him that are, let's... Uh, uh, involved in um, booking speakers to certain conservative kinds of events. Okay. okay is that fair? Without sure. Giving anything out? Okay. I think so. I'm and, in the dark. And he, he, he was listening. He had me on. He had our most recent podcast on in the car while they were all, you know, going over to Eastern Iowa together. And afterwards, he texted me. He goes, you missed a real opportunity. I was really hoping you guys were going to get into your whole, you know, vegan pansexual lizard person gets invited to speak at yeah. CPAC's CPAC before you do, given some of the people I was hanging out with just to find out here with their, how just long to get, ago was this? This was just last week. It was last yeah. week. Last week. Yeah. Yeah. We missed Aaron's over there. It's like, I could have really made us, I missed an opportunity for a golden snark, but yes, <sighs> just yeah. fire me now. Yes. Oh no! So hopefully I didn't. I. I but I, I needed to. Now you get. Now you know why I needed to share that with you guys. I just. If you're listening, brother, I hope I did it in a way that was as benign as absolutely possible. I hope. Okay. I'm gonna fire myself. <laughs> um. You got anything on that, Todd? What were we talking about? Uh, no, I agreed. I. I fully endorse this. First of all, right. can I say this? If I were organizing CPAC, 
I would have the Iowa caucus app developer speak before uh, myself. I mean, now, I mean, that's, I mean, that's, that's the, that, that guy's the star of the show. If, if I, if, I mean, I, that's a viable person to invite to, that's a great troll is to have that well, guy. At come the very least, at if they had any game, they would have these things on their agenda. It's like you retweeted something. I saw a guy who posted his resume. Yes. Things. It's, yeah. The same kind of thing. Yeah, I mean, and then he's like second assistant to Anthony Weiner. I mean, it's just, dude. Some of my friends that I, I I know in the sports world that are big Dems, they were sharing this on their feeds because they thought yesterday because they thought it was so funny that the yeah. mock resume. Yeah. Right. It's if you want to know what Aaron, what Todd's talking about, it's on our Facebook page. If you can get through the shadow ban, uh, just look up my name, Steve Dace, on Facebook. I've got it posted on there, and you can get a look at it. It's 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 glorious. Jacob Hibbard says an Obama endorsement and or Michelle Obama vice president bid would not save Biden at this point. Uh, Bye. Uh, and, I th- and that's why it won't happen uh, because they're not going to throw their political capital We were just away. talking about if, yeah. if I was the Obamas right now, I would be strongly encouraging because he's starting to bring them up. And I think that's probably because he's trying to in- trying to in- yeah. maybe trying well, to in- provoke them to get involved. See, because he, he needs pl- a Hail Mary pass right Obama now. Obama is plausible deniability. You know, if it goes Sanders, even Bush, like, I, I don't know these guys. They did their own thing. Why'd you go yeah. with them? But you can't do that. He's bleeding. He's, he's not dead, but he's mortally wounded. Yeah. It's just bleeding out. Yeah. We're, just, we're just waiting for the process to complete itself. It's like a football game when you're down by 30 points in, with two minutes to go. You have a, it, it, It's not officially a loss in the record book yet, but we all know how this is going to end, right? And Because Kyle Shanahan isn't involved in this game. <laughs> Yes, he's not throwing on. He's not throwing eight consecutive passes with a two touchdown lead to give uh, Pat Mahomes and Tom Brady in consecutive Super Bowl appearances more snaps. I'd fire that guy if he was my coach. I know. I uh, had three to, days ago. I had right? to give this one to you. Uh, but thank you. But um, I, I think the way that he's invoking him in New, uh, Obama by name right now in New Hampshire. Uh, and trying to wield him as a weapon, I, I think that's the that's another sign of a desperate candidate, and and he's trying to trying to see if he can get the uh, cavalry uh, to come in and, and save him here at the end. But it looks more like Custard's last stand. Great. Darren says Mayor Pete will announce an African American running mate by South Carolina. I'll sell. Now this is smart. I, I mean, it's too soon, but you, even this one that I'll sell on. You're on the you're on the yeah. you're on the right track, okay. But the here that move could more blow up in his face, depending on who it is. Here's why: if it looks, you have to understand again. I I know we don't have a lot of dealings with this community in whitey conservative world, okay. But these people, you know, they have been they're used to walking around money, buying, you know, politicians getting bought off. They're not, they're far more sophisticated about this process, I think, than maybe a lot of people with our skin tone get, okay? And so if Mayor Pete just rolls out, because if it was as simple as just be black, Cory Booker would be in this race. But most people think Cory Booker's just not black, you know what I'm saying? And that's why, that's one of the main reasons why he was not. Okay, it's not it's not that simple. It's not. And so if Mayor Pete walk, just walks out of here with somebody, you know, the 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 crazy broad on MSNBC that the Iowa caucus are systemic racist. If, if it's somebody like that, that's not going to move the needle at all. 
I mean, it, it would have to, if it, if it looks like an obvious grift, that won't work. It's got to, it's got to look like a sincere play. And I don't know, I don't know how many connections a white mayor of Podunk, Indiana has to pull something like that off. Number one. Number two, he's, he's, you were talking about this on Twitter today. Pete's out there getting attacked by the woke brigade yeah. again today for not, you know, uh, exchanging enough, uh, uh, spit and DNA with his husband on the campaign trail, right? That's essentially what it is. Yeah. Okay. That, yeah. that Joe Biden looks, you know, uh, kisses uh, his relatives on the lips more than, uh, uh, yep. Then uh, Pete uh, and Mr. and Mr. Pete uh, Buttigieg make out on the campaign trail. Yep. This is, a, the, and I think he, I think the fact that he tried that initial gambit about a month ago, was it in South Carolina with the black supporters that weren't actually mm-hmm. spent, blew up in his face? I think that's indicative of this is not simple for a guy from, from Podunk, Indiana to pull off. It's, it's not. Okay. And, but you're thinking the right way. So I'm going to sell because I don't think he can pull it off. But, you know, your your thought process is sound. I will also sell. It won't happen before South Carolina. For the, it, It'll look too ham-fisted. But if you take your medicine and you, you see that something must be done to address this after South Carolina, I can still see it happen sooner rather than later, perhaps before Cali- California within that window. And I, I have no idea about this particular person's leanings on the issue of Buttigieg in particular and the lifestyle, but isn't the perfect marriage in many respects somebody would take it and wouldn't turn it down? I can't remember her name, but the get the the Georgia governor I Stacey Abrams. Stacey Abrams. It's state I I didn't get Georgia, but I get to run as vice president of the United States. I I can see that as as large a front runner to be Mayor Pete's running mate as anybody I agree out that, there. I agree that she's like a logical choice for him to try. I don't think she moves the needle that much for him. I don't. I think she's largely unknown, and it it she doesn't have enough. It she, she's just black. Here's the she, pro- Stacey Abrams is better known and and appreciated by the white woke brigade. That 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 does the bookings on MSNBC and the lefty speaker circuit, not by, not by the national, not the, the people, the folks. Who am I talking about? I should let me give you a composite because I always ask that all the time on the show. Give me the composite of the voter who is blank. Okay, the the composite of the voter I'm talking about, um, is somebody who spends a lot of time on NBA Twitter. Somebody who, um, if, if they're our age or younger, is, is kind of who I'm talking about. Somebody, if they're, if they're, a, if they're the baby boober generation, um, you know, uh, somebody that's very familiar with the civil rights era and things of that nature, okay? Um, she doesn't fit into, she's a pure token, She's just thrown out there by white leftists, Stacey Abrams is, uh, just to be a convenient hammering tool to give them an excuse that every time they lose an election, it's voter suppression. But, but on her own, like you don't see Stacey, on, we just had MLK Day. Was, was Stacey Abrams an in-demand speaker at, black, at, at major black churches across the country? Answer, no. She is a construct of, of white leftists, which is exactly why I could see Pete Buttigieg playing the, that card. Yeah, 
I, I, because I think that's the kind of card you play when you're not particularly tethered or tied into a community that you're trying mm-hmm. to grovel and, and placate uh, and pander to. And you have to understand if you're black in America and the Democratic Party, man, you have been pandered to six ways to Sunday. You, you, you know when it's coming, okay? And that's by the time you're the age of 12. Um, he, he, needs, he needs a transcendent figure. You know, somebody like, um, like a Barack Obama. He needs somebody like a Michelle Obama willing to be his running mate, a Barack Obama willing to endorse him. He needs something like that. That's what he needs. A transcendent figure. It, it can't just be somebody who's black. It just, it, he needs more than that. I don't disagree, but there's, you said Obama or somebody like that. So Obama, what other, yeah. what other transcendent black figure that, you know, and we're not talking about some actor or something like who's going to, who's going to move the needle. It's Obama or a bust on that front. So then it is just about tokenism and flailing in the dark and hoping you, you know, you win on roulette. You know, it just, yeah, because he needs somebody with real cred that can, that can transplant some of that, <clears throat> some of that to him. That's, that's, that's what that, he needs. And that's very few people in this party currently, white or black. I, I agree, which is, goes back to what we talked about at the top of the show. Because if there's anything Donald Trump understands and recognizes, it's, it's when a competitor in the bidding market is weakened. Mm-hmm. He gets that. And that's why a major part of that speech last night is he's, is he play, he's playing in their sandbox. And, and I'm all for it. And, and if anybody from the White House or knows the White House or works in it is listening or watching right now, you know, this is some of the best advice I can give you. I think you've got, there's a certain built-in suburban, exurban, white suburban, exurban vote you just can't lose because they're people like the three of us that live in these neighborhoods, okay? But I actually think your ability to, to, to do better in that part of the country is not as good as you think it is, okay? I don't. Um, and, and, I, and I've got Mayor Pete Buttigieg winning, uh, winning whatever that means, the point by a point the state that a decade ago threw out three judges for thinking they could redefine marriage okay i i think you you got a certain amount of of white suburban exurban voters that are right of center that you can't lose but i don't think there's a massive swing vote in there like like you're being told by your consultants you've got a i think there's much more upward mobility like 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 i'll just throw out a, just numbers to be arbitrary you know educated guesses okay so you can't go below 40% of the white suburban vote. Just being a Republican on the ballot, you're not going to do worse than 40. But I don't think it's a lock that, if you do everything right, you could get to 50. I don't think that's a lock because it's trending more and more purple. On the other hand, you're, you, what were you, 9% of the black vote in 2016? I, I think you could get 15 or 20. Mm-hmm. And I think, I think, what that 15 to 20% does to the Democratic Party is cataclysmic yep. compared to trying to pick off another 4 to 5 to 6% of suburban voters that are no guarantee when you're already getting a substantial block of them anyway. You may not win them, but you're going to get a lot of white suburban voters anyway. You might win them, but you're going to get a lot. To go from basically nothing to a legit number of Republican president, presidential candidate I, the last time I researched it, I, th- I don't think has gotten above 12% of the black vote since the Civil Rights Act of 1964. 
and and most of the time doesn't get beyond single digits. If you were to get 15 to 20 percent, Mr. President, of the black vote, I mean, I, I know the, the president likes legacies. That's why so many names in the most expensive real estate district in the world bear, or so many buildings in the most expensive real estate district in the world bear his name. You want to talk about a legacy. I mean, that taking 15 to 20 percent of the vote, and we've, we've, we've wondered sometimes, you know, there's been comparisons of Trump to Nebuchadnezzar, and I've explained over the years why that's not a good comparison. Maybe a, if you want a favorable one, maybe a Samson. That is, that is you want a final political act that, 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 that goes on long after you're, you've left the stage. That's Samson tearing down the temples yeah. of Dagon on, on as, as a last breath right there. Okay. I mean, that would be, that would mortally wound the Democratic Party on a national level, which is, mortally wound them. Which is why, as I've said before many times, um, my ambivalence about uh, voting for Trump, if the polling shows that that's the direction it is likely going, I would vote for Donald Trump for president just to endorse that resetting of the political framework and without apology. Van, Van Jones said something last night that Daniel Horowitz, people like Daniel Horowitz and I have been trying to tell the Republican candidates in the, our whole, whole career is this. You're not losing Hispanic voters by, by being tough on the border. That's not, that's not true. I mean, a lot of these legal Hispanic immigrants are living in neighborhoods where they're faced with the crime and everything else that comes from the drug cartels coming across the border far more than whiteies in the suburbs are. They see it every day. You're not. I mean, look at some of the incendiary language on politically incendiary language on immigration President Trump used four years ago. That one Mexican judge, remember, the country stopped. Even I was like, that was dumb at the time. Remember that four years ago? Mm -hmm. And and he's going to lose. We had fewer Hispanics vote in 2016 than we did in 2012. There was one state, Nevada, where we did see a surge of new Hispanic um, uh, uh, registrations that did go to Hillary Clinton. And that was it. Across the rest of the country. Another example that Twitter isn't America. Twitter is not America, and cable news is not America. The reality is, Mr. Republican, your consultants are in your party are telling you that if you're strong on border enforcement, you'll lose Hispanic votes because your donor base wants you to be weak on, on border enforcement because they want cheap, subhuman labor. You're not losing Hispanic voters en masse because of this. And Van Jones, of all people, the one that Glenn Beck, the man Glenn Beck once outed on Fox News as a communist, Said this on CNN last night in a clip that's in my Twitter feed. If you don't believe me, go look it up. At Steve Day Show. I, I was incredulous. I'm like, holy cow. I've had, how many times have we had, Daniel and I have these conversations publicly, privately. He's had them with more Republicans over the years, far more than even I have. I'm going to, I can't, I'm going to ask him about this when he comes on here in 15 minutes. And you're going to see, you're going to you want to see what it looks like when a Jewish guy gets a crap eaten grin. You're going to see it. Because you're going to see, when Van Jones saying on CNN, Hispanics don't vote on border enforcement. They don't care about that. They're for it. I mean, that, that doesn't drive them away. He said this on CNN last night. Blew me away when I saw this clip on social media. Because I've been trying to convince countless Republicans of this for years in my career. You're not losing Hispanic voters by being tough on the border. You're not. You're not. They don't vote on that stuff. It's all identity politics. Shatter the identity politics. And it doesn't matter where you stand on, on border enforcement. And that's what Van Jones saw the president do last night was make a play for their base with the sort of language they use. Big government, patriotic, um, you know, uh, optimistic. That's what they sell those people. 
uh, those groups of people. And I, I was all, it, it's amazing the amount of truth that's being told and exposed right now. Amazing. I'm sorry about that rant, Aaron. Go ahead. No, it's all good. Uh, let's see. Chuck Gregory says Iowa loses the distinction of being the first caucus state in 2024 and beyond. Um, I'm going to sell. I'm going to sell too. Because I can see it happening, but the way people are acting right now as if it's a fait accompli is way, way off. We've been talking about this forever, and the reason it hasn't happened, one of the reasons is there is no alternative that comes front and center as the most obvious one. And until that happens and it's agreed upon by enough people, in many ways, this is a non-starter. It's closer to non-starter than inevitable in some ways. Agreed. And I think the way that everybody's rushed to this kind of reminds me of we've all rushed to how many times the last few years, if true, and then if, if, if the latest anonymous scoop from Washington Post and CNN is true, let me give my quick conservative take. And I fell victim to this early on too. So I get it. Okay. That I'm that, you know, I've got credibility. And then later on you find out the whole story was a scam and you commented and, and, and lost your damn mind for nothing that was true. Right. Right. Sure. Okay. This kind of reminds me of that. It reminds me of the way also until this Pope anyway, um, lapsed liberal Catholics in the media just project what they want the church in Rome to be. And so they just say that they just, well, that's what the Pope meant when actually they come back later and translate what he said. And that's not what he said. That's just their wish casting. Yeah. The, 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 the elites in both parties hate this place. And so I think they want this, they're projecting that they want it to be the end. Here's the problem. There's nothing stopping Iowa from just declaring it's going to go first. Okay. Another state goes first. Then we'll do it in November. We'll do it in October. We're going to go first. Now, this, now, a couple of years ago, or a couple of cycles ago, the national parties tried to stop states from doing this and like told them, if you moved your, your process, you're going to strip you of delegates. And I think it was Florida that just called the Republican Party's bluff and said, eh, screw that noise. We're going we're gonna to move it, make it early. And Daria at the convention, to, and Daria to say a, a prominent swing state isn't going to count. Yeah, nice tyranny okay? you got there, bro. Exa- exactly. I, I, so the, you can't really stop a state's party. You can try to put penalties and everything else, but if they're willing to pay them and, and risk and call your bluff, you can't stop them from moving that process. What I could see happen, now I could see the Republicans, because Trump's, if he wins reelect, he's going to be president and still running the party until January of 2025. I, uh, if, I, I could see the Republicans say, we'll keep Iowa just as it is, first in the nation in 2024. Just because, just the way because of the way Trump trolled them on this yeah. the other day, and then put it on the Democrats to decide what they're going to do. In the in the in the further future, I could see a process provided the two party system remains, which I hope it does not. But provided it does, I could see a system where like Iowa, New Hampshire, and South Carolina all go first together. So you have a Midwest caucus state, a Southern primary state, and a New England primary state, a good cross section of the country. Throw it, and you throw Nevada in there as well because you have the where they all go together on one opening night, and then they can say these are all these are your first in the nation events. So we've got the we got yeah. the South, the the East Coast, the Midwest, and the West yeah. Coast all covered. And there's two caucuses and two primaries, so you have a mini Super Tuesday to launch the process. The first Tuesday in February, I could see something like that. I, I could too, but it would take, and this is a fascinating point I haven't thought about, but it's absolutely true. The Trump trolling aspect, it would take both parties to agree on it, and they don't agree on anything. Mm-hmm. They, they will like, what's, what, it's, 
what's the blue team think? Okay, we're going to be the exact opposite just because we can't stand them. We see that with the Trump effect on people sitting down over planting trees in the Trump speech. So that's why it's not nearly as close of a uh, thing that as many people think right now, even though we're living in the middle of an utter debacle here in Iowa. ABC News five minutes ago just had a clip. I'm sharing it right now on Twitter. Joe Biden, he's going for broke now. He's going for broke. Uncle Joe has decided, this is my last go around. I'm, I'm going to speak my piece. Quote from New Hampshire. Uh, if Senator Sanders is the nominee for the party, every Democrat's going to have to carry that label. Yikes. He's going for broke. He's going for broke. And you know what? It's, it's the only play that he it's, has left. It may a, or may not be too well, late. I think it is, but it's, it's, it's a great the right message. Play. Van Jones yeah. is making that message. But you know what? Joe Biden can't make it. He's not capable. It, the messenger matters a lot. He's not. That's not going to resurrect agree. him. He should have. This should have been his opening message. He should have come in with, especially with all those massive polling numbers and all that clout. And he should have come in right away and said, "Let's just end this right now. I'm not pussyfooting around for the next six months. I'm not. We're not wearing the socialist label. We're not electing some podunk mayor with a husband that that no one's that you know we won't get Black America yeah. to vote Instead, for. Instead, two we're weeks not ago, that. he was doing transgender yes. stuff. Yeah, yeah, ex- exactly. Yeah, that's why I think it's too late. It's the right message." But it's a message that he should have done last February and stuck with it the entire time. Yep. Uh, Elliot Evans says Nigel Farage is the most influential politician in the world post Reagan era. I think that's a buy. Well, I can't say the world. Mm, Because we have our Western bias. If you'll allow me to amend it to the most influential Western politician, I will buy that. Yes. Absolutely. I will buy that. But the world is a tough call. I and mean, there's all parts of the there's lots of parts of the world I don't follow and cover closely. I'm not intimately involved in. Um, but if you want to say in the West, I would buy that. Yeah. So in the world I'll sell, but if you would have narrowed it down to the West, I would buy. I'll still sell. I mean, I understand what he's talking about, but the, he's I don't know how this is a culmination of an amazing amount of work over a very, very long career. But the the broadness of his appeal, mm-hmm. I'm not certain about. Yeah, I'm speaking out of ignorance to some extent. Th- there's, there's, uh, here's why I would say he's, he's the most influential politician in the West since Reagan. He's the he's the only one since Reagan. He's the he's the only one since Reagan that has disrupted yes. the current well, Western political paradigm. And this accomplishment is on the Mount Rushmore of Western political accomplishments, yeah. no doubt, since Reagan. So I'd give him that. And he did it as a wedge party. Yeah. Yep. As well. All right, we'll come back. Daniel Horowitz will take us inside politics, our weekly prophet of woe and lamentation when we return here on Blaze TV radio and podcast. Okay, reality check. How many of you made that New Year's resolution to eat right and lose weight, but you're already losing your resolve? Chances are you're having trouble fighting those cravings and keeping those portion sizes under control. But 
There could be a helpmate just around the corner called Riduzone, developed by doctors and backed by two U.S. patents. Riduzone is the only FDA-accepted product that includes OEA. That's the naturally occurring molecule that helps you feel full faster and burns stored fat while reducing your calorie intake at the same time, which makes it easier for you to resist those cravings and get your portion sizes under control so that you don't ruin your resolve. Because most of the time, it's not what you're eating, folks. It's how much, all right? So face it, dieting alone, it's just too dang hard. So try to make it easier. With the resolve and help you get from Riduzone, exclusively available on its website at riduzone.com. That's R-I-D-U-Z-O-N-E. And right now they want to offer you a great deal, all right? 65% off. 65% off, including free shipping when you use the promo code Steve. That's my name. Say it, don't spray it. But say it uh, in, in, over at the website, riduzone.com, and get 65% off. That's huge savings and free shipping as well. R-I-D-U-Z-O-N-E, promo code Steve. Let's bring on our weekly prophet of woe and lamentation, our good friend Daniel Horwitz. How are you, my friend? We're doing all right today. But um, Steve, there's no woe and lamentation. It's all Ezekiel, Zechariah. I mean, second coming. It, it's, this is, it, this it, is happening. It is. It's, 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 a, it's a good time. But I, I want to... And I know you're being somewhat facetious because there was too much big government in that speech last night for you. And we'll get to that. But a transcendent political moment occurred last night on CNN of all places. And I saw this and I know you retweeted this clip earlier this morning. And when I saw this, man, I thought of you right away because I thought, do you know how many times we have tried to tell Republicans we know running for office or in office this stuff? And they never want to listen to it. Okay. Because they, their consultants tell them, oh, you know, they, they don't, these radical conservatives don't know what they're talking about, right? I want you to, this is, a, this is about, I think it's about two minutes. I think the part that I want, that I'm the most curious about getting your reaction to is in this clip. But this is Van Jones last night on CNN. That's what I think. Um, the Iowa caucus was a debacle. Uh, and this was a very strong speech. And it shows what he thinks he needs to do to win. I think we have to be very clinical about this. I think you're exactly right. Uh, he knows he's got to give a lot of red meat to his base, and he gave it. What, for religious liberty, abortion, all of it, the military, et cetera. Um, but he's doing something else, and it has to do with how he's going to manage race in this thing. And there seems to be a trade-off between the Latinos and the African Americans. That's what you see. He, he went hard on the sanctuary city stuff. Mm -hmm. That is very, very uh, disturbing. It turns out sanctuary cities are actually safer uh, the non-sanctuary cities, the Cato Institute, uh, which is libertarian, has come out and said uh, that you know, immigrants are committing less crime. So uh, for some reason, he thinks that doubling down on the anti-immigrant piece is a big part of his thing. At the same time, uh, at warning the Democrats, what he was saying to African-Americans can be effective. You may not like it, but he mentioned HBCUs. Our black colleges have been struggling for a long time. A bunch of them have gone under. Uh, he threw a lifeline to them uh, in real life, in, in his budget. He talked about that. He talked about the criminal justice reform. He talked about opportunity zones. This, school choice, he which is about a school big choice. issue. Yeah. Listen, wake up. He doesn't have to be effective. Exactly. He has to be effective to move margins in key states. And, and the yeah. thing about it is, and I think that we we got to wake up, folks. There's a whole bubble thing that goes on. We say, well, he said S-hole nations, therefore all black people are going to hate him forever. That ain't necessarily so. And I think what you're going to see him do is say, you may not like my rhetoric, but look at my results, look at my record to black people. And if he narrow casts that, it's going to be effective, which means 
as we move through this primary process, we've got to pay a lot more attention both to what's going on with the Latino vote, um, is, is, are we going to get a benefit in terms of you know, having them respond? And with the black vote, is there going to be a split off, for, especially for black male voters? We've got to be clinical about this stuff. We get so emotional about it. That was, a ro- that was a warning to us, a warning shot across the bow of Democrats that he's going after enough black folks to cause those problems. It's not just the white suburban voters. He's going after black vote. So I want to get your reaction to that. Now, the, the, the Cato Institute's been in the tank for open borders and all that stuff for years. So that they're just frankly not credible. But we actually have voting results. I mean, if, if, if border enforcement was insulting to Latino voters, then how come we had fewer Latinos vote, Hispanics vote in 2016 than we did in 2012? I mean, you could not use more incendiary, clumsy language at times than this president did during the last election. And, and except for one state, Nevada, he paid zero penalty for it. All right. So I don't agree with the, you know, the black, the, the Cato Institute aspect that he's quoting there. But beyond that, we're, you're seeing Van Jones of all people saying on CNN, you know, we don't have, I mean, if he's really serious about talking issues and stuff to these minority communities, we don't, we don't have like a complete lockstep on this. Like, like uh, uh, we've pretended that we do uh, in our media for the last 30 to 40 years. And I, I've, I was actually amazed at the amount of honesty in the left media in numerous circles after the speech last night that they saw him, after he got done checking those boxes, they saw him flip the jersey and start using some of their talking points and some of their issues and get them on camera sitting on their rear end, not applauding their own talking points, which drives people like you nuts, but at the same time makes them look really like, dude, they won't even applaud for the stuff they agree with. They hate this guy and the country so bad. What are your thoughts? I mean, hey, we're going to empty out the prisons and they don't clap. But I mean, you're absolutely right. I don't think there's anything new here. Um, I think you've had this the last three times at the State of the Union where the media really in each time couldn't lay a glove on him. I think when the president is in front of the people and he actually speaks with prepared remarks in a serious demeanor, uplifting but serious demeanor, um, it moves the needle even more so than any other president because people aren't used to it with him. But it also has his own folksy down to earth uh, tone added to it. Uh, So that's true. Obviously, as you mentioned, the Latino stuff was from a left wing perspective, but he's right. They're not losing. Ron DeSantis is the one who banned sanctuary cities. Some polls have him at 70 percent among Hispanics. Sanctuary cities is certainly one aspect of immigration they downright agree with. Um, So that's bull. And, And look, I mean, here's the deal. I think there's something broader going on here, Steve, that has nothing to do with a particular demographic. Any Democrat that is a serious analyst, not just a total, you know, just kind of like the equivalent of the Republicans three days before the midterms that were going to win the election type Mm -hmm. of people Mm -hmm. uh, that had their heads in the sand. They recognize that if you look at the amalgamation of factors, the totality of circumstances with impeachment, with Trump's personal favorabilities, with the Democrat field that's full of just not just radicals, but radicals who are boobs. And just their their personalities are horrible and don't resonate with people. And then the Iowa fiasco, conservatives are on the cusp of a tremendous opportunity. I would say potentially a Corbin Johnson style opportunity we saw out of England, where not only could the Democrats lose, but as Joe Biden uh, warned about with with Bernie Sanders being the nominee potentially, that they could get crushed down ballot. Mm-hmm. 
Republicans have so much opportunity. And I think what the president demonstrated last night is the boundless power of the bully pulpit. We've been saying this, Steve, for three years together. If the president were to harness current events, such as Pensacola's terrorist attack, or a specific budget fight, a specific inflection moment, and were he to give a series of serious speeches, the media cannot help but to cover him. Right? The one thing they can't do is ignore him. They just can't help themselves. He commands such a bully pulpit. He really effectively uses theatrics better than anyone did. We saw, you know, typically they have these nerdy, cheesy props in the gallery next to the first lady. This stuff was very different. Everyone agrees that it really, it, it, it was, it was historic. It was just, I mean, it, it's up his alley, the kind of the reality TV type of stuff. There is so much conservatives could accomplish if we actually define what conservatism is and what it is we actually want other than the theatrics is an end to itself. But the theatrics could be used as a means. And there's one other thing, Steve, you're not going to hear anywhere else, and I want your audience to hear this. One of the biggest impediments to Trump having a successful second term is what? It's the courts. Any district judge saying, you know what, um, these uh, illegal alien rapists, well, I don't like statute. I don't like immigration law. I think deportations are immoral. So you know what, I'm going to make you fly them back which they're doing a taxpayer dime and, and, and you're going to bring them in and they're going to have rights to then sue you for a civil action um, for all the pain and suffering you caused them. And everyone asked me, well, well, Daniel, I mean, what do you want Trump to do? I mean, the, the, the district judge, I mean, Sabra, Sabra, I mean, haven't you, Steve, haven't you heard of Sabra? I mean, he, it's a juggernaut. Anyone watching Trump's megaphone last night, don't give me this crap. That somehow there's nothing he could do about a district judge. If Trump were to give a speech with angel families in an audience saying this dirtbag judge is violating this statute, this case law for this reason, with these consequences, I will not give effect to that nonsense. I will use my power as a separate branch of government. That whole house of cards would collapse. I agree with that. That is what you do. That's what our founders envisioned in the majesty of the um, – the majestic stature of the bully pulp in the presidency. And I think what we saw last night is a blueprint if used for the right issues. I think whether it's personal or professional between the two of us, we've had enough exposure to Trump to probably agree that he is immensely frustrated by being stymied by some, by people that he views as his underlings. think that's fair. Absolutely. Now, but you're also not dealing with somebody who has a long-standing career in in politics or studying the machinations of government, but acts often instinctively, which means he's going to need somebody who can make the case to him that his instincts are legitimate policy. Yes. It's not a rant. It, it, that's going to make him look dumb or stupid. Yes. Okay, but it's it's something that could be conveyed into a legitimate policy. You know, I. I, I remember several years ago, last time Bob Vanderplatz, my good buddy here that joins us each week, was running for governor. And the Iowa Supreme Court th- thought it could amend the, the Iowa Constitution and change marriage. And I, I presented him the idea that he should do what Lincoln did with the Emancipation Proclamation and just say, hey, if I'm governor, I'm not doing that. No, I'm not. You're, you can't make the law. The Constitution of Iowa says you can't make laws yep. here. And I'm going to execute the Constitution. And if the legislature wants to change the marriage law, well, I'll have, to, I'll have to tackle that issue then. But until they do, you don't get to make the laws of Iowa. Thanks for your opinion. 
And he thought it sounded great, but like, could, could he really do that? You know, he went yeah. and talked to other historians and legal analysts and some names you would probably even know. Hey, is this day sky crazy or nuts? And, and they, they've helped him take my instinct and apply it to an actual issue that he eventually campaigned very successfully on. Okay. Trump needs people around him that are going to do that. So tell me who in that white house, because the last time he was going to do this was, was last fall. Remember on the language on the census. He was going to do this. His people were letting folks like yep. you and I know this is coming and it was going to time around the social media gathering of the cons- of, of, of online conservatives, right? They were going to announce it right then to that crowd. And then out of the blue, they didn't. And, and the word I got, I don't know what you were told, word I got from a good source is Bill, is, uh, Bill Barr wouldn't support it. Thought it was told him it was too radical. A president can't do something like that. So then tell me who in the, in the inner sanctum can... can provide political legitimacy to his instincts who i don't know um i mean there's ken cuccinelli there are there are good people there's russ vote um there's a bunch of good people depending on the issue set here here's what i think everyone on this network needs to understand trump is very complicated what trump believes is very complicated when you hear a speech or a policy position come out of the White House, it's very complicated. When you hear certain things make it into the State of the Union, it's not Trump per se. It's a reflection of competing uh, constituencies or wings of the White House, wings of different agencies and branches. And every day the president is teetering 50-50. Do I designate the cartels as terrorists or not? Do I do a real travel ban or the fake one, which we actually find out we're bringing in the same numbers we did before his presidency from the very countries that were marked because the waivers are just backfilling them? Um, do I go and, yeah, push back against the courts? Cut spending. Everyone's like, he's a big spender. Look, Trump's always going to be a big government guy. It's not true. He appointed the most conservative budget director ever. Um, he has signed his name on the best budget proposals ever. But no one fought for them, so you know when the swamp sends a budget bill to his desk, he'll sign it. Would he sign welfare reform? Absolutely. Um, his administration has even worked on giving states waivers. It's a very schizophrenic administration, and it is simply maniacal for our side to sit back and wait for the swamp to win. Because here's the deal. Conservatives might not be focused but the swamp is always focused. They will get outcomes. They don't, they're not happy with theatrics and, and talking points and speeches. They're going to make sure, hey, those cartels aren't designated. Um, you will not cut the numbers on immigration. You will not cut back on low-skilled workers. Right? That's not happening. Mr. President, you can't do that. And they will fight for it. Mr. President, you sure as hell are not um, pulling out of Afghanistan and Iraq because I built my career on that. Do we have an equal and opposing force on the other side, validating what we already know are the president's instincts on those very issues. Here, here's the warning I hear you sounding, and tell me if it, in, in the couple of minutes we have left, if it, this is a fair characterization of what you're trying to convey. The the same forces that five seconds after he won began what, what has amounted to as a coup, basically with various scandals and collusions and fake newses and impeachment now and everything else. The, their instincts to use the machinations of power they have within the system to, to do this coup attempt, those, if he gets reelected, those instincts aren't going to go away. And if they, if, they, if they can't do a coup this time, they're going to try to do a de facto one by, by keeping the policies that they believe in uh, in place 
and essentially try to ideologically sabotage the administration. So if they can't do an outright coup, they'll just do a de facto one. Is that is that what the warning I hear you giving? Exactly, and it's worse than that. It's the ultimate defeat mechanism because, see, if it's out in the open that we're not doing this, we're you know adopting Mitt Romney's corporatist ideas, mm-hmm. people will rebel. You'll have some of the Fox hosts, Laura Ingram, um, Tucker Carlson will get on this case. But what they do is I read on my show – um, I went through piece by piece. I read every word of the proclamation adding six new countries to the travel ban. And I saw it was brilliantly written. See, it was brilliantly written to elicit the talking point of the presence, you know, very concerned on national security, fulfilling the promise to do, you know, vetting people who share our values. But what it actually did was it ensured that the fewest numbers are kept out. And then it actually went backwards because the criterion it set up for future determination of which countries need to be on the list foreclosed on the ability to do ideological vetting. So it's all about some very hocus pocus bureaucratic thing about information sharing in a very specific way. And then even the countries that aren't on the list, but, you know, we got diplomatic ties with Iraq and Afghanistan. We can't really uh, – they, they don't cooperate. We don't know anything who's coming here. But, you know, look, we got our military there. What are we going to do? Um, it literally, literally says that in there. It says it about Iraq, and then it says there's a similar country with similar circumstances, which I take to mean Afghanistan. So, I mean, this is going to keep happening. Um, and, and, and my concern is you look at the speech last night. You look at the good, and then you look at Ivanka Care, the big spending, um, jailbreak, and things like that. And my concern is that we're going to get the outcome of the bad stuff, like we saw with the budget bills and the NDAA, amnesty for Liberians, um, more government worker right, right, right. entitlements. But the good stuff, it's indulged enough to keep our base at bay. But like you said, that's what a soft coup is all about. They get what they want all the time, every time. Mm. Good to always have you on our show, Daniel. Thanks for the well and lamentation, brother. Appreciate it. Take care. Gentlemen, we've got about a minute left. Any final thoughts on today's program? That's what a soft coup is all about. I love I love the language. I get pushback uh, quite frequently for using it from people uh on the right on uh Twitter. I don't you guys gotta wake up to the times that we're living in. That term is as appropriate a term to have in your lexicon as anything because people are afraid to win on the merits of the argument. Every time you're shouted down with emotion and called a bigot, that's a coup. It has nothing to do with reason or science or anything like that. It's just trying to illegitimately hijack a situation and prey on your blind spots or your ignorance. Bone up on that one word and understand it and look around you and you might have an idea of what's going on in politics these days. Aaron. Yeah, couldn't have said that any better. I'll uh, basically that let well that uh, stand on its own. That'll do it for today, then. Uh, we are going to stick around and tape some overtime. We'll break down the latest Iowa caucus results and tell you what we think. John 317. This is Steve Dace. On the Blaze Radio Network.